in association with the Museum of the Antiquities Project. This is Ancient Rome Refocused with your host, Rob Kane. History for the Brave. Welcome to episode 25. The title of this podcast is A Classic Hero Sandwich. I grew up with Hercules. He was on Channel 32, Saturday, I believe. Usually, the films were black and white, of course. My folks may have had a black and white TV at the time. But in the afternoon, Steve Reeves starred in The Labors of Hercules and assorted other films, battling monsters, despots, and assorted evil, buxom queens. Hercules was the actor Stephen Lester Rees. He was an American bodybuilder, actor, and philanthropist. As a young man, he made a career in the 1950s in what can only be termed as sword and sandal movies. Savage and sensual was the world of Hercules. Lavishly produced amid pagan palaces on Mediterranean shores, where Hercules lived, loved, and awed his fellow men. Here is fascinating drama, epic in scope, of palace intrigue and murder, of deeds reckless and heroic, the great curse and labors laid upon Hercules. May the curse of the gods be upon you. May the hatred of men persecute you until you have paid for the blood of Ephesus. A love so great it defied the gods. Hercules, a legend undimmed in thousands of years, all here to bring you thrill upon thrill. The voyage to distant lands, the dragon monster guarding the golden fleece. The love-starred warrior women on the island of Amazon who knew so well how to entice and tease and kiss before... At one time, he was the highest-paid actor in Europe. To tell you the truth, my attention was caught more with comic book heroes. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper... Superman. Batman. Aquaman, The Flash, The Hulk, Wonder Woman, Cyclops, and Wolverine, all presented in color and India ink, demonstrating daring do, while on the back of each book was advertising 
for sea monkeys and x-ray glasses for just a dollar and fifty cents. I could tell you the backstory of each hero. Well, after all, they were a twelve-year-old's pantheon of gods. Things change. I got a little older. I read books from my father's library, and I was joined by Oedipus, Theseus, Romulus, Hercules, of course, Perseus, Jason, Apollo, Zeus, Joseph, Moses, Elijah, and Robin Hood. Robin Hood. Every Sunday on Channel 9 in Chicago, Family Classics aired. It was hosted by Fraser Thomas. The TV would ring out, and up and down the stairs, I could hear the sound of Family Classics. And at least three times a year, a familiar sound brought us to the dinner table. Every Sunday night, roasted chicken, potatoes, and Robin Hood. From the TV, usually during Christmas week, Moses stood upon a rock and raised his staff to have the sea part to escape the Egyptian horde. Elmer Bernstein's music rang through the house with trumpets whizzing in triumph, power, and the unbelievable grandeur of God's strength. Now there's a hero. I got a little older. Soon I found myself in darkened theaters watching Luke Skywalker play out the hero's journey as academic as Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey with its call to adventure, meeting with the mentor, crossing the threshold, down into the abyss of possible death, through atonement and rebirth, to a heroic return, a journey from the known to the unknown. Luke, I am your father, sending waves of despair across the hero's face. I thought I would never meet a real hero. My brother met one. He was having dinner at a local restaurant and overheard a conversation and a name. George Henry Gay Jr., he got up and walked over and introduced himself. Are you the guy who took part in the Battle of Midway? He asked. He was. Ensign, later Lieutenant Commander, George Henry Gay Jr., lived from 1917 to 1994, was a pilot in the United States Navy Torpedo Squadron 8, operating from the aircraft carrier USS Hornet. He took part in the pivotal battle of Midway. Gay's unit launched an attack without any fighter plane support. Although he was wounded and his radio gunner, Robert K. Huntington, was dying, Gay completed his torpedo attack on the Japanese aircraft carrier Soryu. Five Mitsubishi A6M Zeros 
brought his aircraft down in a hail of machine gun and cannon fire, killing his rear gunner, Robert Huntington. As he floated in the ocean, he had a front row seat to the sinking of three of the four Japanese aircraft carriers by American dive bombers. After 30 hours in the water, Gary was rescued, the sole survivor of his squadron. 30 years later, he sat in a restaurant shaking my brother's hand. It is said that heroes pay a price. Achilles would be struck down by an arrow in his heel, impervious in all parts of his body, but not by the heel of which his mother dangled him and dipped him in the river Styx. Hercules was driven mad and fought off suicidal despair, forced to endure twelve labors of impossible tasks. Ulysses was considered the smartest man in the world, a man of cunning and guile, but hexed by the gods to endure a twenty-year journey to return to his Ithaca and his Penelope. Even Jason of the Argonauts, after his adventure, fell asleep under the hull of the rotting Argo, and the prow of the ship fell, crushing him underneath. And remember Robin Hood? He was murdered by a nun. And even Moses was not allowed to enter the Promised Land. So that makes me wonder, so what was the price that Ensign Gay paid years later after he was scooped out of the sea? Well, it could have been years of shaking the hands of people that approached him in restaurants and thinking of his gunner, Robert K. Huntington. Heroism takes a toll. I got a little older. I was fortunate to shake the hand of a Medal of Honor winner. He had faced combat and put himself in extreme danger to save the lives of 36 soldiers. Survive the hero's journey, and sometimes you can never shed that mantle of being a hero. The Medal of Honor winner left the military. He took a job with a contractor. He found that the contractor was seeking to sell thermal gun sites to Pakistan, of which it had no authority. Once a hero, always a hero. He brought this to the attention of the public, and his employer tried to denigrate his reputation as a drinker and mentally unstable which was curious since others found him outstanding, dependable, and conscientious. Soldiers' lives meant more to him than a job. When he tried to get a new job, the accusations followed him. He sued. Heroes pay a price. You see, when you come back from the hero's journey, you are transformed, and you are no longer the same. Joseph Campbell's heroes move in a dreamscape, of fluid and ambiguous forms, or they must survive a succession of trials. Maybe life, maybe normal life, is never the same after an adventure of a supernatural experience. We can play with the definition of supernatural all we want. For how natural is it anyway to drop a torpedo on course towards an aircraft carrier? 
or for Hercules to snatch the belt of an Amazonian queen, Hippolyte, or to even stop a robbery in progress. My father talked of World War II his entire life. He was my own personal hero. That experience took out of his life just four years, and he couldn't stop talking about it. The hero, according to Campbell, may have to be brought back from his or her adventure by some assistance from the outside. The friends and companions may have to reach into that world to draw him back to what is normal. Somehow I think Dad never returned. His experience sent him on his one and only great adventure, and he was still on the shores of Normandy and driving a truck in France for his entire life. His eyes lit up at the dinner table, telling of his great adventure. His price of heroism was he could not escape his memories. You don't have to destroy the Death Star to have an heroic adventure. It can be something far closer to home. The best illustration of this is John Green's novel, Paper Towns. The protagonist, Quentin Q. Jacobson, embarks on a hero's journey when his neighbor, Margot Roth Spiegelman, disappears and leaves him clues to her location. Quentin leaves the comfort of his home and family and enlists three companions, Radar, Ben, and Lacey, in his search. Sounds a lot like Star Wars, doesn't it? Or any other adventure story. The story is not entering another world. It's not fighting a kingdom or escaping to another planet. It's simply a road trip. But a road trip to a high school student can be high adventure. Quentin eventually finds Margot, but it's not what he imagined. As the hero, he pays a price. But it's a price that adds to his own growth. Closer to home, I know another hero, my mother. She worked from age 15 to 40 years of age, took off to have three kids, and went back to school at age 60 so that she could get a job. Father was ill. And basically she saved the house and kept us kids in school. She saved the family. She then worked from 60 to 80 years of age before retiring. Heroes can come in many forms. Sometimes all you have to do is look to those closest to you. And sometimes all you have to do is look in the mirror. There was a time that I repeatedly said no to life itself. But then... Out of pure frustration. When my life was going nowhere, I said yes. And it was never the same. I joined the army. I left home. I went on my own journey. I put myself in danger. Oh, not the same as a soldier at war, but I risked. I did something totally out of character. I decided to step into the unknown, away from the home that I was so familiar with. It was an odd choice, especially for a kid that 
live day to day in Oak Park, Illinois. The following is an interview by Bill Moyers with Joseph Campbell, the author of The Hero with a Thousand Faces. Well, I think it's, it's important to live life with a knowledge of its mystery and of your own mystery. And it gives life a, a new zest, a new balance, a new harmony to do this. Joseph John Campbell lived from 1904 to 1987. He was an American professor of literature at Sarah Lawrence College who worked in comparative mythology and comparative religion. His work covers many aspects of the human experience. I find thinking in mythological terms uh, has helped people. Visibly, you can see it happen. How? What does it do? It, it uh, erases anxieties. It puts them in accord with the inevitables of their life. Uh, and, and they can see the, uh, the positive values of what are the negative aspects of what is positive. It's, uh, it's, it's whether you're going to say no to the serpent or yes to the serpent, as easy as that. No to the adventure? Yeah, the adventure of being alive, of living. I'm still trying to decide if I am that hero I imagined myself to be. Do heroes really know who they are? Or are they just normal men and women that find themselves in unimaginable circumstances and survive? Well, after listening to Campbell, I... I guess I'm the hero of my own story, and I, I guess you're the hero of yours. I said yes to the adventure, to life itself. Step out your front door and don't look back. You will not know where you will wind up. Do I want to be a hero? You know, I think deep down we all do. The question is, I mean the real question is, do you want to pay the price? You know, what I do know in exploring this is I think I can recognize a hero when I see one. Let me introduce you to one. His name is Halid el-Assad. Halid el-Assad. Say that name. Say it to others and to yourself. If we talk about Mara, we have to say Halid El-Assad. Khalid al-Assad was killed after apparently refusing to tell the militants where Palmyra's treasures had been hidden. The director of excavations said for the Duke of I begged him two months ago to leave the town and come to Damascus with his family, but he refused. He believed in his fate. He said, I was born in Palmyra and I will stay in Palmyra and I will not leave even if it costs me my I blood. I that his name is to be a passing mere sound on a news piece. They say they killed Khalid al-Assad because he refused to swear allegiance. But it's understood he refused to tell them where Palmyra's treasures were hidden. If you wanted to know where artifacts were in Palmyra, which ones were worth significant sums of money, which ones could actually be sold on the black market Halid. Al-Assad. Halid. El Assad. Al Assad gave everything he could to preserve this historic jewel, his dedication shining through the darkness. 
His name should be said somberly and with respect. Halid El Assad. He was a defender of history, the history of his country in an age that did not care. There are some things you should be willing to put your life on the line for. For Halid el-Assad, it was his country's heritage. He died defending Palmyra's treasures and legacy against the winds of violent military extremists. To Halid el-Assad, the history of a people long gone from the earth was worth more than his own life. They tortured him. They beheaded him. A sign attached to his body accused him of inconsequential babble, apostate, traitor, but a traitor to what? Not to his country. Not to history, not to the people of Syria. His friends asked him to leave. As the fanatics approached the ancient city, he refused. His body, his silence, and the secrets of an ancient people he took to his grave. They wanted the artifacts that he had hidden away so they could sell them to fund their conquest. He had 11 children, six sons, and five daughters. One was named Sinopia. <laughs>